Backboard Banter on the board with your hosts, Matt Middleton and Kevin Rayner, where the banter's as ferocious as that Gilbert Arenas comment about Giannis not knowing how to play basketball. This man not watched the NBA? Talking about a recent finals MVP, a guy who averaged like 35 and 15 in the last playoff series that we saw him? Like, get out of here, man. Just another media member slandering Giannis, thinking he doesn't have what it takes. Let's not forget, he's a monster, currently destroying in Euro basketball, arguably the best, and if not the best, one of the best players in the NBA. It's got to stop. It's got to stop, people. Dude, he's he is by far and away the best player in the NBA. Like, at worst, he's a top three offensive player, and anybody who's close to him in that category, like, if you want to say Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, like, they're not even close to him as a defensive player. The only reason LeBron's not in this category is because he's too old. We've seen it. Can't stay healthy. Giannis is the new king, man. He's the new king. You just got to accept it. And these old players who who can't see him do pull-up jump shots or, you know, sweet dribble moves into some, like, pretty finishes, like, off the glass... Like, get over it, man. Like, that's not his his thing. Like, he's going to dunk it on you hard, and you can't stop him from getting to the basket. So, And the guy's got some turnarounds. He, he can hit some turnaround shots. I mean, he's only 28, all right? Give him some time. He can become a, a shooter late in his career. Look what Brooke Lopez did. Look what Blake Griffin has done. You know, different players, but it's still possible. But, you know, everybody just wants to see the game played their way. You know, they want to see the beautiful game, their style, and... I mean, I think Giannis's game is pretty sweet and pretty fun to watch, so I, I'm an enjoyer. Maybe that's why I'm biased. Dude, I think it's great to watch. I mean, it might not be the prettiest, but it's definitely one of the most entertaining styles in the entire NBA, for sure. And there are a lot of teams that are just, like, looking for the next Giannis. I mean, we as the Raptors ourselves are hoping that Scotty can become the next Giannis-type archetype player, so obviously he's doing something right. Absolutely, man. Like, ah, <laughs> uh, whatever. It's... It is what it is, man. They just don't appreciate him. They want him to be a jumbo-sized MJ and not just the streamlined Shaq that he is. But hey, what are you going to do? It is what it is, but we will always defend Giannis. Matt over here, the true defender of the Grease King himself. But, I mean, should we return to takes? There's really not much to talk about take-wise this week. We're just kind of sizzling, so we can roll right into it if you want. Yeah, man. Yeah, definitely. Let's uh. Let's... Get these injuries out of the way. Uh, unfortunately, you know, two more players get hurt in pro-am games, and there goes their uh, their years. A pair of torn meniscuses. Obviously, for the Magic and Gary Harris, not as big of a deal. The Magic are still in their rebuilding situation, but for Gallinari and the Celtics, this is a big one. Gallinari just can't get over the hump. I'm going to be nice to him because he's injured this time, even though Matt knows that I love to rip on Danilo. But the Celtics, man, they're probably not happy right now because he was going to be a piece for them. And, you know, with the torn meniscus, might be three months, might be six, might be the whole season. That's the thing. Anything's possible. Yeah, he was he was supposed to be, you know, an offensive piece for them, especially in the half court, um, where it kind of looked like they were very stagnant unless Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were playing hero ball. Um, so they were, they were hoping to get a little bit more shooting out of him. Uh, the biggest question with him, whether he was going to be a major piece in Boston rotation, was his defense. Um, but definitely a, a, a big piece to lose for a team that's looking to go on a championship run. Um, and then you Gary Harris, like, poor Orlando, like, you know, they're still doing the rebuild, but, like, unfortunate for him as a guy who's trying to keep his NBA career alive. You know, it's built on defense. Uh, yeah. Having that torn meniscus is going to be hard to recover from. 
So hopefully, you know, he's fine, but it, it's brutal. And this is kind of open up a conversation though, right now around the NBA about whether or not they should be playing in these pro-am games. Um, what, like, what's your opinion about that? I mean, it's, it's hard, right? Because everyone wants to see basketball getting played, and we as fans are starving right now. We are starving for the offseason. I mean, there's conversations right now about, like, who the the most middling starting roster you could create in the NBA right now. People are finding old clips of, of Shaquille O'Neal dunking, right? Like, people just want content, and, you know, these pro-am games, these offseason events really provide not only the players with the ability to keep their reps up in a professional environment, but we get to watch some fun basketball. The fans get to be excited. So I would hate for these guys not to show up and play, but at the same time, you know, teams are considering these injuries. We look at how, um, you know, after the Chet injury, um, Shea, Gilli Shea Gillius isn't allowed to play for Canada anymore. Apparently there's like this big controversy going on there because they don't want their players to be injured. And, that's not fair. You know, these guys need to get to play basketball because there's only so much time that they can be at their best. And when they are, they should be playing. Look, man, like I get the whole idea of pro-ams maybe being mixed a little bit. Um, I don't like it. Like, I think I agree with you. They should get to play basketball. Um, but like to not be able to play for like FIBA or like your country's basketball team, I think that has no bearing on the NBA team. Uh, like, they shouldn't get a right to say anything about that. Uh, but let's be real, man. The only reason that this is really cropping up now, because it's not like you can't get hurt in, in training or, you know, uh, like in a pickup game, whatever. You get hurt anywhere playing basketball. The real conversation is because Chet Holmgren's out for the year. Is that the the number two overall pick, the unicorn of this draft, the, the player that you know, a lot of people were really excited about for a really long time is now not going to play. And this has the NBA all up in arms. I mean, the NBA has to be up in arms. These are their, their young players, right? These are the guys that are going to keep their sport alive, right? Like, and Chet Holgram, this guy, him and Wembenyana type characters can be so marketable. I just watched a great piece about Yao Ming and how he like changed the NBA and certain things. So, you know, you look at these players and how important they can be to the NBA but we can't, you know, overstep the fact that, you know, these are human beings. These are players. There's different things that they need to do. They have to prove themselves in their career, right? Like, we were we were talking about old drafts and, you know, you can have someone like Michael Carter-Williams comes out, wins Rookie of the Year, and then where are they now, right? Like, if he had a better opportunity with a better roster and a better team, he might get to be a role player even more. Like, that's the crazy part, right? Dude, but like we said, you know, that draft without Giannis and Gobert and CJ McCollum has no NBA players currently. Like, no. it's Anthony Bennett and a bunch of nobodies. Uh, so when Anthony Bennett's the number one overall pick, you know it's not a great draft. Uh, um, but yeah, man, I, they're just upset about about this whole thing, and they're, they're, trying to, they're trying to figure out what's going on. I just... Let them play, man. You know, you get hurt anywhere. You could get hurt in your house, slip down the stairs. I'm pretty sure it happened to John Wall. You know, John Wall, Clay Thompson, both of them injured after an injury and had longer extended recovery time. Things happen. Let them play ball. I'm with you, Matt, all the way. Yeah, definitely. And then I guess the last thing before we get into this this uh, divisional breakdown is, man, RJ. He's the first Nick to to sign after his rookie deal, uh, their first first round pick at least in twenty what, plus years. years. 20... Charlie <laughs> Ward, nineteen ninety nine. Nick's destroying twenty years of draft picks. Hey, you know RJ, maybe they finally found the right answer. Uh, I don't know. 
Yeah, apparently um, it might even help the Utah deal with Donovan Mitchell because they know what he's signed for now, at least. And he's got four years under his contract. It uh, doesn't preclude him from being in the deal. It just makes the, the money just a little bit different now. Uh, so it's a very interesting time to be a New York Knicks fan and to be an RJ fan, man, because I would not like to see him in Utah. I would feel so bad for him and his career. Um, it would just be the worst. I think that, you know, the Knicks fans have started to embrace him more and really accept him as their homegrown talent. And, you know, we watched with Porzingis, this franchise, like, hate this man, hate this man, and then start to accept him, start to love him, and then get him out at the end, right? And, I, and like, for RJ, it would be a different story, but still, it would be sad for this fan base to lose a guy that they're giving, you know, a lot of faith in. And as the Raptors have proven, you know, you don't have to have your superstar be the homegrown talent but you need homegrown talent to fill out that roster. And RJ can be, you know, maybe not the second, but definitely the third or fourth guy on a championship team. Dude, I think he could even be a second. Like, once he matures into the player that, that he's going to become, he's only 22, right? Like, yeah. he's got a big NBA body. His athleticism isn't just off the charts. I think that's what, you know, especially coming out of a draft where Zion Williamson and John Morant are the two picks before you yeah. like, who scream athleticism. And then you're just like a little under athletic for the NBA standards, which means like, you know, he's still a top athlete in the world. Um, but this this guy, you know, it's just he's I think he's going to develop really well. I think he's going to be probably a number two on a championship team. I don't know if he ever gets to be on a championship team. You know, he, he just extended with New York Knicks. So um, but him and Brunson in the backcourt wouldn't look bad. Uh, I just, yeah, he's, he's, it's good for him, man. I think it's great. I just don't know if it's going to move New York's needle at all and what they're really going to do with him, if they're going to keep him or flip him. But that, that's also it, right? Like we don't know what New York's going to do. So the conversation is RJ happy for you. Good for you, man. Getting that 120 <laughs> mil, getting that rookie extension is sick. But again, it's the New York Knicks. Anything is possible. I mean, they would throw the kitchen sink out the window to try to get Kyrie Irving, apparently. So I'm going to put my hands up and just accept the fact that Knicks will Knicks, and we will see where this story will go in the future. Hey, man, they're just trying to be relevant, right? <laughs> Every team wants to be relevant. And I mean, I feel like I've mentioned this in the, in, in the past when we've talked, that, you know, it is New York basketball. You know, that is the mecca of, of basketball in the past. And so would it be good for the Knicks to be back? Sure. You know, in the division that we live in, I would love to see the Knicks continue to be bottom feeders. That's just my opinion. And at the end of the day, man, like, there are some teams that need to be relevant. Like, Minnesota needs to be relevant. Utah needed those, you know, number one seed years to be relevant and to, to keep their fan base at least happy. Like, New York Knicks have been so bad for so long, and they still have this massive fan base. And that fan base isn't going anywhere. So their need to be relevant it has always been baffling to me, like to trade the farm for Carmelo Anthony, um, you know, to like do these things with Jalen Brunson. Like they're just constantly chasing something when they just could step back, go with the process and like maybe get a Joel Embiid level player and then like build from the hair. But that doesn't seem to be at all what they want to do ever. Uh, I think they were really hoping that RJ would be that situation, and, and now here we are further. But, I mean, I, I think we've, we've beat this this horse pretty dead at this point. We'll be back in a couple weeks to talk about the Knicks. Matt and I love to talk about that division, but that's not the division we're here to talk about today. We're here to talk about the Pacific today. We're moving our way back to the other side of the country. An interesting collection of teams. I believe Matt said it best. Potentially the most stacked 
division in the NBA for talent-wise, definitely lots of fun places we could go with this one. Yeah, I mean, in terms of, like, on-paper divisional teams, like, they, them and the Atlantic, like, they're probably the two toughest divisions in the entire NBA, but it's definitely the toughest division in the West. Um, you've got, you know, the team that won the Larry OB. You've got the team that was the best record in the NBA, won over 60 games. You've got a team who's, you know, made the playoffs without Kawhi Leonard and Paul George for most of the season. Um, Sacramento's potentially starting to find something with De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis. And then the Lakers, man, like they're the Lakers. They've got Anthony Davis and, and LeBron James. So definitely deep, but it's also filled with questions because like, are they going to repeat Golden State? Is Phoenix going to take a step back? Is LeBron James and Anthony Davis enough? How is Kawhi Leonard and Paul George going to fit in? And then what does Sacramento have? Are they are they coming up? I know you like Sacramento, man. You want to start with them? They're a good place to start, I think. You know, they're you hit it on the money there. Every single team in this division has question marks. They have to figure out their next step forward. And for the Kings, you'll notice I'm wearing my purple hat in support of the Kings today. I think it's time, man. Now, they're not going to make the playoffs. Let's be honest here. They, they can't break that streak. But I think they put together a really good team around De'Aaron. I'm excited for him to be healthy, for Sabonis to be healthy, for the two of them to figure it out. And for these, you know, rest of this team to come around, like, together. Because De'Aaron Fox can't shoot. We know that. We've accepted that. But the way he gets to the basket, the way he can run, pick, and roll is fantastic. So you get Malik Monk. You get Keegan Murray. You get these pieces that you hope can knock down these three-point shots. And we're looking at a potential play-in team here, finally, man. I'm excited for Sacramento. Honestly, man, the more that I think about their roster, like when you think about De'Aaron Fox, when you think about the fact that they added Malik Monk, like you said, they added um, Kevin Herter, they've, they've got Sabonis now in there. I think they've got enough pieces to really fill out that roster and be formidable. It's just how formidable are they going to be? And to me, I think with the Western Conference just, you know, especially getting their stars back, fully health, healthy seasons from hopefully the, the the Clippers and the Lakers. Like, I just don't know if it's going to be enough to, to get them anywhere. And it's just so sad, man. The Kings, like, they could have had Luka. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> that's the classic this, joke. Man. I mean, that's the, that's the thing, right? I have hope for them. I look at Keegan Murray as the real toss-up, right, you know? Taking fourth pick in the draft, you know, Raptors fans over here, we know what the fourth pick can do for you. He was the, you know, unconventional take of the draft as well. So hopefully the Kings are following in the Raptors' footsteps here. But there's a lot to think about, right? You know, they did pick up Della Vidova, who hopefully can be a ball handler and a knockdown shooter for them. They didn't really lose anybody big. You know, Josh Jackson might be their biggest loss over to us boys over here, but... There's, there's really not much more to break down when it comes to Sacramento, right? Like, we, we've mentioned the important factors. They have potential. And this is probably the best team around De'Aaron Fox that he's had. And he's going to come out and he's going to show up, right? That's the thing. But will they be a team like the Wizards last year, who at one point were at the top of the Eastern Conference and then fell all the way back down? Or will they stay relevant and keep consistent to just slide in? That's kind of what I'm thinking about the Kings this year. No, I like that comparison with the Wizards. You know, a team that not a lot of people are going to take that seriously. They're probably going to sneak up on a lot of people at the beginning of the season. Um, and may maybe they'll get some good wins, you know, right off the bat. But 
yeah, I don't know if, if it's going to be sustainable for them. They might be able to to use a hot start to hang on. Um, I think, you know, Dante DiVincenzo not being around um, is, like, probably like their biggest loss, mm-hmm. uh, which is, like, a good thing to say, um, if you don't count the Tyrese Halliburton thing. Uh, but, you know, they, they added a good rookie in Keegan Murray, you know, Summer League MVP. Not that it always works out that Summer League MVP is an instant star, uh, but we'll see, man. I... I guess it's like nice for the Kings to have hope for something, you know, Matt, like at least for the past 15 years, when the season schedule comes out, every team circles the Sacramento Kings on the calendar and goes sick. We're getting a free W today. And this might be the first season where you have to maybe consider that that might not happen. So that's where I see the success for this team. Man, they're definitely going to be definitely going to be a, a, t- a team on people's minds. So, Hey, Good for them. First time in a while, so that's that's really nice. And then let's go off of them to the perennial champions, the dynasty of our generation. Let's flip it to the top, man. Golden State, can they repeat and stay the champions? Isn't that just the question on every major media outlet right now? Can Steph Curry make it back? Can Klay Thompson be healthy? Is Draymond still a viable piece? Can the young guns come up and take, you know, the places from Otto, from Gary Payton, right? Like, there's so many question marks, but also, man, this team is so good. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson showed even at a fraction of his ability that he still can compete with this team. Draymond, I mean, we can clown Draymond all we want, Matt, and we will. I, I mean, I enjoy clowning Draymond, it's just a fact. But he provides a ton for this team both on the court and off the court and he can have big defensive games which they need on a roster like this and when you think about the young kids that are just waiting and just you know just waiting to do what they can do like golden state's in a really good place yeah they're i think they're in a really great place um it's funny because you said you know it's the question on every media's mind if, if they could repeat i feel like most media members have decided that they're going to repeat at this point it's just kind of what it what it feels like, um, but yeah, you know they they did lose some some key pieces on that championship run, um, but they've got you know really great young players potentially who could step in those roles. You got Moses Moody, you got Jonathan Kaminga, you've got James Wiseman. Can they like put it together? That's that's a big question mark for me. Um, everybody looks great in practice everybody who was drafted in the top 10 is expected to be you know an all-star level player do they all get there no and so yeah they've got a really great developmental system and they've got the pieces around them to to bring it there so i've got faith in golden state um i just don't know if if this was enough for them to to get all the way back and to win again i honestly think I've said it before that the Eastern Conference was the better conference this year. And if they had played, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks, or yeah. I even think the Miami Heat would have given them a better better series just because Boston, I feel like, shrank in the moment, um, Jason Tatum specifically, that this was, a, I think, a lucky championship for them. I think a lot of things went right for them. Um, also, Phoenix collapsing to Luka Doncic. I, I don't think yeah. they collapsed like that to, to Golden State. No. Um, so, can Golden State repeat? I would like to say no, but everything points to yes. It's just it's it's actually hard for me to make my my argument against it. But there's just a gut feeling here for me. The it's the classic contender syndrome, right? I mean, 
I, I remember we were sitting here a year ago, and I'm pretty sure every media major was going, yeah, Giannis and the Bucks, they got this. It's going again. And then the year before that, was it not, man, LeBron's finally back. You know, they can get out of the bubble. They can do it again. We haven't seen a repeat happen in the past little while, not since Golden State's dynasty began, really. So it's going to be tough. Where I want to add a little hope to this fire is the guy we haven't talked about yet, Andrew Wiggins, man. I'm excited to see where his mentality goes. Because when you join a winning roster, you're not quite there yet. Because they've won and you're hoping to win. And the ridicule that that guy went through from his career to now have the championship, to have proven not only that he can do it, but he can be the number two on that team. The fire that's under him, being an all-star, like I'm excited to see the season that Wiggins can have under this team. And with Draymond... You know, I don't want to say Steph yet, but Clay like slowly aging out. I think Wiggins can continue to be that young fire and maybe help Kaminga. You know, help these young guys transition across it and be that middle ground between the you know the two different age groups of this roster. Yeah, no, man, you're absolutely right. I mean, Andrew Wiggins had a had a good good season last year. I mean, an All Star level season. Um, it was more predicated on his defense, and mm-hmm. he was the he was definitely the second best player on this championship roster for me. Um, so yeah, I think he's he's gonna have a, a really big say on where they go this year. I, I just again, there's something about this this squad that feels off to me, and it just you know they're all bickering about the money potentially you know who's going to get signed who who needs to get signed Draymond's clamoring for a max extension even though it's 2 years out and they always do it 1 year out yeah. it's just you know we have like you said we haven't seen a repeat in a long time and the only time that we saw a repeat in the last 8 years 10 years was what it was LeBron and the Heatles mm-hmm. or it was the Warriors with Kevin Durant yeah. Like, those are the only repeats in the last decade that you can remember. And I just don't think that they're that level of team. I honestly think that they're a super team. Like, if you take the fact that they've got three surefire Hall of Famers and Andrew Wiggins, who is a former number one overall pick, like, that's as close to a super team as, as you get in today's NBA. Um, yeah, I, j- I just don't see it happening again for them. I think it was, it, you know, your luck runs out. And that's Unless it, right? That, that team. How much is too much of a good thing? How long can your party last? You know, can you keep the lights on? Can you keep the taps flowing when it's like 5 a.m. and everyone's basically gone home and you got 30-year-olds on your roster? Like, there's a lot of questions for Golden State, but they're the defending champs. And so until someone knocks them down, you can't put them out of their place because, you know, Milwaukee was the defending champs and without a Chris Middleton injury, they probably are back-to-backs. And this conversation is so different. Right, and that's that's the chaoticness of the NBA. And if I can flip over to the Clippers next, because that's where I think I would want to go, it's it's the perfect idea of that chaoticness, right? Like, 2019 Kawhi Leonard was the best player in the NBA for three months, and where has he been since then? Where have the Clippers been since then? That's the craziness of it, right? Anything can happen just a few years removed. Yeah, no, that's oh man, that's such a good um, you know tie into what I was talking about. That it's. It's a year-to-year basis, and so many things can happen. Uh, like you mentioned, like Max Kellerman, Stephen A., like everybody and their mother was talking about how Kawhi Leonard, he chooses the next champion. If he goes to the Clippers, they're the champion. If he stays with the Raptors, they're the champion. And it proved that you actually have to be healthy for the full season. You actually have to be playing in the finals. And there's arguments to be made that, that bubble championship would not have been LeBron's, but would have been Kawhi's had the whole pandemic not happened. 
So we've got this now, them coming back together. Kawhi was off all last year. PG has had his health problems. Can they stay healthy and win? And most people in the NBA circles are have them as their dark horse winner. Um, I I would have to tend to agree with them though, man. Like Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, Norm Powell, a team that just went forty two and forty without them, pretty good. When you think about dark horses, there's like two ways you can go, right? There's like the Luka Doncic dark horse teams where you're like somebody who's so good they can take a team all the way, you know. And I think about this Clippers team and they're a different story. They're more of a just the amount of talent that can come together and if it all plays out right, if they all play to their max potential, it would all come together perfectly. That's the other side of that dark horse that I see and that's the Clippers right now. Norman Powell seriously dealt with injuries. Kawhi, do I even need to talk about his injuries? You've already mentioned Paul George. It's like, should I mention John Wall? Like the amount of injuries, the amount of time missed from their main core of players is immense. But when they're all playing at their best, they're top players in the league. Kawhi is a top player in the NBA. So if they can come together, I mean, why not? Why not Clippers as the first seed? Why not Clippers in the conference finals? And John Wall, man, even at the fraction of like his level that he could eventually reach in the NBA and what he is now, he is still a, a 20 and 10 kind of guy. Like he's a 20 point 10 assist kind of guy with the fact that he's going to be seeing the third or fourth best defender on other teams they've still got marcus morris like they're they got norman powell they're a very very good team i think the hartenstein loss is going to be i think overblown for a lot of people um yeah he's a good serviceable backup and definitely helped zubot kind of come off um and they don't really necessarily have that anymore i guess you could say yeah i I guess you could say Robert Covington, but he's not a center, man. He, I guess he's listed as a center, but he's not a center. Um, so they they might need to go out and add a center, but man, this is this is a team that could beat Golden State one on one for sure. Yep, and you say they need to add a center, but I think about what their you know stretch five version of a center could be, where you throw somebody like you know Zubac, not the stretch, obviously, but you throw somebody like Marcus Morris, like Robert Covington, even Luke Kennard, who is short, can play weird forward like minutes right like this is they have this team that can play small ball all around Kawhi could guard a center depending on the team you're playing if you're playing golden state like any of them could guard that center position right unless they're bringing out looney yeah that's the thing right so it really for me it's the fact that if their small ball can work out if Kawhi and paul george can settle their demons because it's the clippers man the clippers curse is real i'll stand by it for sure so it's going to be an interesting season ahead of them and i'm sure that it will be a good regular season. I, I can't see it. Unless injuries really derail them, they're probably, you know, looking at home court in the first round. But can they take it all the way? Can they keep healthy? It's just too many question marks for me, Matt. It's, yeah, it's definitely hard to, like, bet on them for sure. Mm-hmm. And, like, the the people who are coming out, having them at the top of the Western Conference rankings and, like, are saying that they're definitely going to be a, a championship-caliber team, um, I... I find them very brave because yeah, like, definitely. We've, we've talked about this entire time about them. They are the biggest unknown in the NBA because of the roster that they have and the injuries that come with that roster. But well, I guess we said dark horse contender. I would like to say dark horse juggernaut, man. Yeah. Like they could be the juggernaut of the NBA if all healthy. It's not contender status. It's 
juggernaut status. And that's the scariest thing about them, man. And will they stay healthy? Who knows? Uh, but the fact that they've had such bad luck for the past few years, it might just be time, you know? It might be um, their farewell tour to Staples Center is uh, bringing home that, that championship, man, before uh, Bomber gets them in their new arena. What a story that would be. And, you know, something we haven't mentioned yet at all is coaches, right? Let's not forget who runs this team at the back end, Ty Lue, a proven championship coach. So, you know, I don't want to say much more about the Clippers because I feel like we can just let it wait and see once the season comes around. We're going to we're gonna know pretty quickly what this team is going to be. Dude, I loved your comment about Ty Lue. I think Ty Lue has such a big impact on this team. It's the reason that they were better than the Lakers last year. Um, it's just it's impressive to see what he does and if he can manage you know Kawhi Leonard's injury and Paul George they'll be good man they'll be a they'll be a great team so it's it's scary man it's scary let's, out there let's flip to the Lakers now we talk about an injury riddled team let's talk about another potentially injury riddled team oh LeBron 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 I have hope for you man I have hope for this team if Anthony Davis can stay healthy if Pat Bev and Westbrook don't, you know, end up ripping each other's heads off on the court, you know, this is a good team. Like, it's not a great team, but it's a good team. It's a okay team, <laughs> for sure. It's definitely, like, if you take LeBron and AD off, man, it's a pretty, pretty barren roster. Um, but again, like, you have LeBron and AD, so it all hinges on them. Uh, can Anthony Davis finally do what everybody's anticipating him to do since 2019 2020 i don't think so i really i'm kind of out on it i'm i'm out on the fact that he's going to be a number one player until he proves that he's going to be a number one player um he only ever had little spurts in new orleans where they were actually a, a competitive playoff team um so to you me one playoff series you mean that he yeah won? but like they've had years where they were like competitive up to the playoffs like they would have been playing teams you know had yeah play exactly. been back then and they also were like dealing with his injuries like he's never really been an 82 game player um so i think they need to cash in on on westbrook get rid of those picks if you at all want a championship you know if you at all want any semblance of that and like not to get like a la mickey mouse championship which everyone's going to clown them for um especially when they're going to be bad for the next decade anyways after LeBron's done. Like, go get a real championship. That That's way it. you say you could have two and you have a real one. Like, they, uh, It's painful, man. It's it's slightly painful because, you know, we, we talk about LeBron as this, like, amazing creature who just seemingly will not agree with Father Time. And I'm sitting over here and every year I ask Matt this question. Is Matt, is, is he too old to win a championship? And, like, I don't want to say yes, but every year we're just, even if it's like 0.0001% closer, we're getting closer to it. We are definitely getting closer to it, man. It's sad to see. And uh, he just, he can't give you 82 games. He just can't. And even if he can give you 56, you still need to be able to tread water when he's not out there. And to have, I think, what, I think they were like 500 with him last year, like, I think he played, what, 52? So he was... I think so, yeah. They were, yeah, like 26 and 26 with him on the court. Like, that. that is not good. That is not a good roster. Everybody else needs to figure out what they're doing. Yes, they've had the biggest turnover out of almost anybody in this division, right? Like, 
they so got many rid of Carmelo Anthony, uh, Ariza, Howard, Rondo, Jordan, Bradley, Malik Monk, Taylor Horton Tucker. Like, they've got all of this new talent, but I just don't think they have enough. I honestly think, though, that they're going to be a pretty good team. Uh, just because LeBron, if he can give you 60 games, that's what you're going to get. You're going to get a good team. And if Anthony Davis gives you another you know, 60 alongside, don't be a real good team. So that, that's your powerhouse pair right there. And I look at someone like, you know, Juan Toscano Anderson who can come in and play good minutes for this team. You know, uh, a rookie who's no longer a rookie who I used to love. Lonnie Walker is on this team. You know, maybe he can come out and knock, knock some shots. You know, they got Scottie Pippen Jr. So maybe LeBron is going to find uh, his, his, his son version of his father. I don't know, man. Like this is the thing. Sure, like, man. You don't know what's going to happen with this Lakers team. And whether Westbrook gets traded or not, something's got to give. And I want to see more playoff basketball for LeBron because so many people don't realize this, but when LeBron is gone from the NBA, there's going to be a part of all of our hearts as NBA fans that are missing. You know, anyone who watched Jordan in his prime will constantly be like, man, I wish I was watching prime Jordan right now. Like there's a lot of people that don't realize it yet, but it's coming up in the next few years. It's, oh, it's definitely coming up, man. Um, but it's it's sad to think that he'll never win another championship, and it's sad to think that this Lakers roster is just kind of wasting the last, like, prime years that he has. I think that they've proven that they can't make the right decision on a consistent basis. Um, letting Malik Monk go, for me, is, is oh, egregious. Yeah. Is absolutely egregious. Um, you're hoping that Kendrick Nunn can, you know, fill that void even though he didn't last year and and pat riley gave up on him like they just they just can't man and janine bus coming out saying russell westbrook was for my money the best player on our roster last year like no no no, most consistent you know she she changed her thoughts buddy it's (laughs) it's i mean that's the thing right not no much not much more to say about the lakers let's flip to the last team here let's talk about this suns team you know have a little fun with phoenix because they haven't really changed much but also they got older you know they got their contract to aiden so maybe that makes things better but there's still some serious conversations about what this roster can be and whether they can mash together and finally get over the hump they have the scariest roster in the nba last year and it wasn't particularly close, right? Like, they were the juggernaut. They were what oh, everybody far. was dreading playing. And then they have this huge collapse to Luka Doncic. And now everyone's saying they're going to take a step back. They're too old. Um, you know, CP3's washed and all this kind of stuff. They still should be really good. Oh, yeah. They should be. But I'm going to be in the camp that says they take a major step back, man. I think the fact that CP3's that much here that much older i think that devin booker just doesn't have that absolute superstar quality i think he's hit his ceiling i think that's just who he is as a player i like man he's fabulous like you know he's just he's just below an mvp candidate player like oh poor devin booker like no he's an amazing player i just think that's it for him i don't think deandre ayton is that valuable in today's nba i think he's valuable i don't think he's super valuable and then they lost JaVale McGee for me, man. Like, I think he was a big part of that roster. Um, and I just don't think that they're going to be able to do it again. I just, I think last year was it. And it is over. They're just a roster that is so close. 
so close every single time to getting what they want, getting what they need. And I don't know if it's like a Sarver curse, you know, the owner of the franchise being an, an awful human being that he is, but like, Phoenix has to figure it out because if not this year, when? Right? Because next year, no. The year after that, definitely not. Right? When you think about how important Chris Paul is to this roster and, you know, you can have Mikhail Bridges play great. You know, Cam Johnson is, I'm really happy that Cam Johnson has played the way that he has because I was always big on Cam, but it's just not there, man. When you think about the other teams in, in this NBA these days, when you think about the potential matchups, right? Like Giannis is going to walk all over this team, right? And Bede is also probably going to walk all over this team. So Phoenix, I'm not putting any money down on you this year. You might be a top two, three seed in the West come playoff time, but are you the new Utah Jazz? Is that what we're going to see here? Well, I just, I like the development from their younger players. Like you said, you know, they, they, they're getting some good development. I just think that Chris Paul being as old as he is and being really like the only floor general on their roster, like who are you going to go with? Like Cameron Payne? Probably not. Um, Damian Lee? Probably not. Josh Akogi? Probably not. He's more of a forward than a guard, even though he's 6'4". Like they've just, they're so thin at that position and I think that's one of the most important positions in the NBA I think we saw it last year with Fred Van Vliet like mm -hmm. because we didn't have a serviceable backup for him our roster was falling apart and we can't do the things that we can do with him on the court or with a serviceable backup so yeah I just I, I don't think they have it man I just I think they wasted their window and they're going to return to the Phoenix Suns you know that they were when they had just Devin Booker and no Chris Paul I mean, have we even talked about Chris Paul's potential injury, right? Like, I mean, he hasn't had a lot of injury situations with his time in Phoenix, but, you know, he dealt with some in the Clippers. And I know that there was a very, I don't know if it was last year or the previous playoffs, but I know he was dealing with a hand situation coming into the playoffs. So, like, Chris Paul, as an older player, is one serious, you know, 30-game stretch injury away from making this team the number one team in the conference to, you know, maybe not having home court in the first round, like... The Suns have a lot of questions that they need to figure out, and while they haven't changed much, that's it. They haven't changed much, so their system is the system that it is, and whether or not Monty can bring this team back to the heights that they've had, time will tell, but I'm definitely not putting money on it. Yeah, I think the only way that they stay a top team in the Western Conference is uh, what you just said there, if Monty Williams can figure it out, because he's a great coach, um, and he's going to have to prove it if this roster is going to Day at the top of the West. I really, really am down on this Phoenix squad this year, man. I just feel bad for them. Yeah, it's also partially we're down on them because we're so much higher on so many other teams, right? When you make a change, when you add content, when you add different things, you you give a new fresh hope to what your roster can be. And so when you're just kind of the same and we know that there's underlying issues, I just don't find a way to be excited about this roster anymore. Yeah, yeah. No, nailed it right on the head, man. Um Phoenix, man, you got some great pieces, but do you want to give it, give them to the Raptors? I mean, I'm happy with that. Hey, I mean, Josh Jackson, former fourth overall pick, journeyman on his way, has made his way to the Raptors. Let's talk about a team that we are excited about with a good future, Matt. I just mentioned Josh Jackson, but I'm really excited about Coloco. That's where I would start. Buddy, let's just talk about the Josh Jackson signing, because I think that at the end of the day, like... People are like, oh, is this a sneaky big signing? Are we getting a potential, you know, great player of the future? He's 24 years old, so no. He is a worse 
player than OJ Ananobi, who was drafted 18 spots behind him. Oh, yes. And uh, I think that's just, you know, all that really needs to be said, said about Josh Jackson. Could he potentially develop into a back-of-the-rotation piece as your 10th guy? Yeah, definitely. Especially the way that the Raptors want to play, right? Like, we want to play 6'9 and, and, and out. So he's 6'8. He's only got a 6'10 wingspan. So, you know, he's not even, like, Raptors-y enough for me. Um, yeah, I just... I'm not too excited about the Josh Jackson signing. I think it's just Stanley Johnson 2.0. Absolutely. We got to get Smith some platform shoes, get up to 6.9 so that everyone can stop thinking about it. But no, it's really just kind of that middling situation. Maybe he's just signed to play for the 905. Maybe he's just signed to be a shooter, right? That's the thing. Like The Raptors have been looking for a shooter for years. We need somebody. Matt Thomas was a failure. Svima Hailuk, who we just waved. Thankfully... Also, did not work yet. Thankfully, did not work out well for us. So maybe Josh Jackson, who is a decent spot-up three-point shooter, you know, when he gets open looks, he knocks them down. The problem is when he's contested, he he drops like ten percent. So will it work out? I don't know. But he's a former fourth overall pick. You know, people thought he was going to be higher up than Jason Tatum at one point in time. So maybe we can pull a little magic out of him there. But who knows, man? No. <laughs> no way we're not getting anything close to a jason tatum level player not he's not even an og and a Nobi level player man like it's he is not anywhere near the top 200 players in the nba okay so let's let's just temper our expectations he's 24 years old he's probably hit the the biggest peak of his developmental curve um yeah, man, let's let's talk about Coloco because that's a guy at 22 years old who could still, you know, bring it. Let's go. Man, he's been looking great playing with Fred. He's a lob threat. He's young. He's got energy. You know, there's good vibes out of him. You know, Scotty's always talking about the vibes. So that's what we're here to see. And, you know, he gets his three-year contract. Two years, I'm pretty sure, are guaranteed with the third being, I'm sure, depending. So can he become a solid piece for us? That's the hope. The opportunity is definitely there. He's the right size. He's the right player archetype to find his way. Because, you know, when you think about Ken, when you think about Precious, when you think about Boucher, when you think about Thad, three of those four guys that I talked about are relatively old when it, when it comes down to it. So, you know, there's going to be opportunity for centers for this Raptors squad in the next few years. Definitely, man. I mean, they're all, like, I think Boucher's just under 30, but he's 29, I think. Um, and then you've got Precious. And so having Coloco and Precious, um, that's really good for our future in terms mm -hmm. of the position. And Kem is, you know, a little bit injury prone. Um, so he might get hurt midway through the season. That is less of a center to me and more of a power forward. Um, so it's really nice to see that we're going to have that piece. And I love to see him stick with the, the Raptors all year. Mm -hmm. But if he's back and forth between the, the 905 and the Raps, like it, it's probably fine for his development. I think he does everything now like what we want out of an NBA center. Like he mm. knows how to play defense. Um, he's a rim protector. He's a rim runner. Let's see if he can round out his game in the G League. Let's see if we can get like a, you know, a really high level NBA center um, instead of just, you know, a serviceable starting one, which I think he's going to be a serviceable starting center in this uh, NBA. I want to see more G League minutes because I want to see how, you know, Banton and Flynn can work with him and create this type of monster because you know we've seen Banton run the G League last year. It happened, but to take that step from G League monster to NBA rotational player is massive. It's basically like me and Matt trying to join a G League team. In all honesty, 
Maybe, maybe, maybe not quite as much. Dude, honestly. it'd be like us trying to play on a pro am team. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's better. That's better. The G League's too good for us. Okay. <laughs> Actually, but so he has to prove himself, right? And he's young, and I have hope, right? And he seems to have built a pretty good relationship with Fred. And if we know anything about our team, it's Fred's team, and it's probably going to stay Fred's team for the next little while. So, I have hope for him. He's definitely, you know, the most exciting center prospect that we've had since what Jonas Valanciunas, maybe. You know, yeah. maybe Jakob Pertl, but I'd say JV probably. Yeah, I'd say JV. I think Jakob Pertl uh, was hype for us at, at the nine pick, but I think we all knew what he was immediately. Which, again, serviceable starting center. That's what he is. He's a you know above average in this NBA, and I think that's what Coloco's hopefully going to turn into for us. So, hey man, fingers crossed, baby, fingers crossed. We have hope. I mean, you know, we got a lot of we got a lot of good uh, karma last year with Scotty and the way things worked out with our boy. So, you know, we can't be we can't be too greedy here. We can't wish for everything, but it would be great if we could have another draft pick come and join our squad because we saw the bench mob of the past, what the Raptors were able to do. I'd like to see the next version of it come together. Yeah, definitely. And that was a lot of undrafted guys, a lot of late-round picks. So hopefully we can do the same, man. You know, Justin Champagny, where you at, bro? Oh, <laughs> Matt and Champagny all the way. But my dude, is there anything else for Raptors? <laughs> I, you will always be big on Champagny. I know that. No man, I th I think uh, that that's about it. Just you know, I'm gonna say Champagne's gonna gonna average ten points a game this year. Oh my gosh, G League champion. Spicy. Let's hope. Oh my gosh. Okay, moving forward, let's talk about a little takes here. I'll lead it out today. You know, I think I mentioned it earlier, but Matt knows I'm high on the Kings. I'm ready, man. This drought is going to end. Their 15 plus year playoff drought will end by them making the play in, and then probably losing to someone like the Blazers, so they don't actually make the playoffs. But the play-in counts as the playoffs these days, so it counts, question mark. Bro, Blazers aren't getting close to the play-in tournament this year. Sorry. Um, but, yeah, they'll probably make the play-in and get bounced. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go a little bit spicier than you. I'm going to say Phoenix, man. It's going to finish fourth in this division. They were the class of the NBA last year. I am in the camp that they take a step back. Um, yeah. They're, they're going to fall behind the Lakers, Golden State, and the Clippers. That's that's the teams that I have ahead of them. I mean, with injuries and chemistry, potential issues, I could see this team being a sixth seed in the West. So, you know, it doesn't surprise me here with what you got going on. Bro, I've got them at, like, the eighth seed. Oh, wow, Matt. We're going we're gonna to talk about that in a few weeks. But anything else today, my friend? No, nah, man, I think we're good. Perfect. Well, thanks, everybody, for being here. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Board Sports. Like, subscribe, give us that thumbs up, and check out TheBoardSports.net for new episodes and blog posts. And we'll talk to you next time.